0: That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. Even the winds and waves obey him.
1: Hetty's going to come up the front now and just tell us a little bit about her story.
2: So I grew up in a Christian home. Um, So from a young age, I was taken along to church and began to form a basic understanding of the Bible. Um, And looking back now, I can see how God was guiding and protecting me, even before I put my trust in Him. By the time I was a teenager, though, I really wanted nothing to do with going to church or being a Christian in general. I'd formed this belief in my mind that to be a Christian was just a list of do's and don'ts. There was nothing personal about it. And at that point, I had no idea that being a Christian is actually about having a personal walk with the Lord. I had all the head knowledge of what the Bible said, but none of it had gone from my head to my heart. My teenage years were far from easy and I found school really tough. I just never really felt like I fitted in anywhere and had this deep sense of hopelessness. By the time I left school, my worth and value were at an all-time low and I became severely depressed and I just couldn't see any purpose for life or any hope for the future. The only way I can describe it is like a deep sense of emptiness and despair. Over the next few years, I tried in all sorts of ways to fill this void and some of the avenues I went down could have led me into big trouble but God was so faithful at protecting me and I'm so thankful to him for that. The turning point came when I was introduced to a like-minded woman who also happened to be very proactive in her church. As we got chatting, she suggested that we meet up once a week to read the Bible. I reluctantly said yes, although deep down I didn't see what reading the Bible would do to help. As I've already said, I knew what the Bible had to say, but I didn't see how that or God could really help. I can say that I definitely wasn't the easiest for people to read the Bible with at that time. I was extremely set in my views that God wasn't really there, and even if he was there, why would he want anything to do with me? There was something about Catherine that really struck me, though, and that was how committed she was to the Lord and how she really lived out her faith in everyday life. For her, it wasn't just a case of going to church on a Sunday and then putting God on the shelf for the rest of the week. I could see that she really believed in her heart, what the Bible said, and it was reflected in the way she lived her life. What I didn't realise at that point was how God was starting to do a change in my heart. It's really hard to describe what was happening, but it was like he was softening my heart where it was hardened towards him. Then in December of 2014 is when I really knew something had changed. I can vividly remember one day opening my Bible up and rereading the account of when Jesus had to go to the cross to be crucified, and it was like something had been removed from my eyes, and for the first time I realised the immense sacrifice that Jesus had endured when he went to that cross. It was at this point that I knew that the knowledge of God I had in my head had moved to my heart, and I knew only God could have done this. It felt like an enormous weight had been lifted off my shoulders and I had this real joy because I knew that this is what I had been missing the whole time. That was nearly eight years ago now and I can say with total confidence that it has completely changed my life. It doesn't mean that life is suddenly going to be easy, but I know now that whatever trials I may have to go through, that I'm not going through them alone. I can draw my strength from God now, and I can testify that he is truly trustworthy. Even when you feel weak or like you've messed up again, he is faithful. Being a Christian is about far more than just going to church on a Sunday. It is about being able to come into a personal relationship with God, and I really thank him every day for all that he has done and continues to do in my life. To finish, I just wanted to quote a lovely passage from the book of Ephesians that says, for it is by grace that you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can vote. Thank
1: you. Thank you so much, Hetty. Well
3: done. Okay, now we're gonna hear another story from Jules this time about what God's done in her life. Well done.
4: Morning everyone, I'm so grateful to be here. My name is Jules. To give you a little bit of my backstory, um, I was the oldest of four children. My dad was a lorry driver, my mum was a stay-at-home mum. My dad was a functioning alcoholic. My life as a child was quite violent, and, but I went to church and I understood the Bible. <laughs> And then when I reached my teens and had things that happened, I realized that I I thought there was no God and I became an absolute atheist. And as life went on, I killed the the thoughts in my head, the bad things that had happened to me as a child with alcohol and eating disorders. And I, I was in and around the rooms. I felt hopeless. I felt unloved and I never fitted in wherever I was, I felt not good enough. And I was in and out of AA, and AA was started by two Christian people. We're not allowed to promote AA, but I just have to tell you this because it's part of my story. And they used to, every time when we gathered, we would say a prayer afterwards, a serenity prayer, and it started with the word God, and I just could not say that word. And I was in and out of the rooms, I'd do three years of sobriety, And then something would happen and I'd drink again. So I just could not, it was just because I could not believe, I could just could not say the word God, I could not get any of it. Now I'm going to fast forward to four years this September, it'll be. I was working in White Stuff, a clothing shop, and we had, um, oh, just before I tell you this, I was harboring a huge grudge um, in my gut, which was all consuming. And we had a customer event evening where we worked until eight o'clock and we were promoting our new fashion and we were giving gin to people um, as a promotion. Anyway, I was put on the gin bar for the last hour and I cannot remember anything from then. And I woke up at 6.30 in the morning in Musgrove on a bed in a hospital gang, And my husband, who's a ruddy faced farmer was at the bottom of the bed and he was white you could see he'd been crying and i said to him where am i what have i done and he looked at me and he cried and he said you've drunk you have drove and you've hit three cars and i i just said have i killed anyone and that's a relief when he said no and then i said have i injured anyone he said no And I looked over to the police on the side and I just, I was so relieved that I hadn't killed anyone. Subsequently, I just had, they couldn't believe I'd survived because my car was absolutely, I was cut out of it and my body was just pushed right over to the gear stick, but I'd fallen asleep at the wheel and hit car's head on. So I was released from hospital later on that morning with cuts and bruises and a very heavy heart. I went home and I sat in the kitchen on the sofa, and there I stayed, after going to bed, get up, and just thinking about what I'd done. I could not believe that I'd drunk and drove. I was, I was absolutely frustrated because it was the worst thing I could have possibly done, and I could have killed people. So after about three days, I phoned my sponsor, plucked up the courage, I phoned her, and I thought she was gonna say, no, I can't help you anymore. She said, of course, I'll come to you. Let's meet up. We had a coffee in my kitchen and she said to me, after I told her what had happened, she said, you haven't got a God, have you? Even though you didn't kill anyone and you weren't killed. And from that moment on, my life changed. And I, you know, every day things happen now you know, I was a non believer. I was an absolute atheist. And I should have been killed in that crash. But I know, even though I wasn't a believer, God was there with me all the time. And I am so grateful to be here. And I have never felt so much love. I'm sorry. But I have been so touched when I come to this church every week. This is my next step. And I am so grateful have God in my life and that hole that I felt that was a massive hole where I didn't feel loved, I didn't feel good enough. I know that I am worth loving and God loves me and I know now that that hole is filled and I know what it was. I just couldn't believe that he was with me. And I—I I, all I can say is my heart is full of gratitude. And today, this is a massive thing for me and my friends that know I was the biggest atheist ever my whole life has changed i am it sounds ridiculous but i am a different person i look at life differently i think sometimes before i speak sometimes you know i do get in a temper still at times but i try to be a better person and do the next right thing and this for me today i want to be put in the water i want to feel the water wash over my face and be born again christian and i want to just a better person every day and I just from the bottom of my heart I am so grateful for all of you that have loved me every week and made me want to be part of this amazing congregation you're just it's like nothing well it's my next step from AA literally you are my family now you know AA we have coffee and cake after and we hug each other and we talk about how life is and this is what you do here and it's unbelievable how you love us all. Thank you. I'm so grateful.
3: If you take your seats, Jack's now going to come up and share his story. Thank you, (laughs) Jack. I wasn't a particularly happy kid. Uh, A large part of this was a lack of meaning. I didn't understand why There should be so much suffering if there's no point to any of this. Uh, I suppose once I got to secondary school, I lost some weight and started styling my hair and suddenly I was an awful lot more popular. And but one thing that I learned was there's a big difference between fun and happiness. At that time, I wasn't particularly happy with the the person I was. It it was in the second lockdown when I really uh, hit the low point. Um, I started looking online for advice on how to be a better man. I was very interested in that. And I, I found that the most genuine advice always came from Christian sources. So I decided to try it out. I started praying. I started acting as though I believed, and uh, amazingly, I, I started to feel better. So chasing that feeling, I decided to attend my local church, which is where I met Robin and Rachel who have very nicely come today. Um, yeah, Rachel came up to me and um, thanked me for lowering the average age of the congregation. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, Robin spoke a few times at the church. Uh, I found your talk incredibly helpful. Um, yeah, it was Robin and Rachel who took me to my first filling station, which is where I met Sue and David. And, uh, Sue took it upon herself to make sure that I came to this church at least once, and when I liked it. She uh, took upon herself to take me every Sunday since. It's been really, really helpful. Yeah, so I, I, I guess you all know the rest of it from that. Um, yeah, it's just really changed my outlook on life. Yeah. Made me feel better. So thank you all. Thank you, especially from the medical better. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Amen. Please take your seats. I'm going to read uh, from the Bible now in uh, Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 6. And we've heard stories of new new beginnings. And I think this is a passage that describes baptism as a symbol of exactly that. So this is Romans 6, verses 3 and 4. Don't you know that all of you who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, so that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. What a powerful picture the Apostle Paul gives us there in the Bible. Uh, One of the most wonderful pictures of going down into the water in baptism and then coming back up from the water is exactly what Paul describes there, that, that when we come to Jesus, it's like who we were has almost died and been buried, just like Jesus died on the cross for us and was buried in a tomb. But then just like he, three days later, rose from the dead, a new life beginning, we too come up out of the water because God has given us new life. It doesn't matter where you are, you are in your life, it doesn't matter what's happened, matter who you are, it doesn't matter what anyone else says about you, and it doesn't matter what you say about yourself, God says that in Jesus Christ, what's old is gone and what new, what's new can begin. I can, I, every single person in this building, God will say that to you. And if you're thinking, no, not me, I can promise you, you as well. The Apostle Paul who wrote this, um, used to hunt down Christians. You can read about his story in the Bible. He used to hunt down Christians to have them put on trial and put to death. The last person you'd think God would want in His team. And Jesus met him, risen from the dead, spoke to him, and completely changed this man's life. And said, instead of saying to him, "Well, that's it now. You're done for because of what you've done," he said, "Actually, I want you to go into the world and tell everyone good news." About what I've done for you, and about what God can do for all of us. So, there's his story, was as powerful as the ones we've heard today. Um, I don't want to say too much, um, other than what I've just said. Uh, water. You might you might think this is a bit weird. I don't know. Some of you probably, I don't know, maybe not really been to church much before, and certainly not on a day when people are going to go into this pool of water and go underneath and come back up, and everyone's going to cheer and round of applause and things, and think, this is weird. Well, yeah, I guess it is a bit weird, but then God does unusual things. God does unexpected things. So, yeah, okay, I don't mind. Yeah, church can be a bit out of the ordinary because God does things that are extraordinary. When you think about our own, all of our stories, all our human stories begin in water, in the womb. We are surrounded in the womb as a fetus by amniotic fluid, largely water, and that fluid protects us when we first begin our life. Uh, As time goes on, the fluid nourishes us, the waters nourish our life and help us to become the human being. And then, of course, the waters break, and out of the water comes a, a new life. That was how every one of our story began as a human being. And I think this is partly why, when you look across cultures and history, lots of origin stories around the world involve life coming out of water. And in fact, it's interesting because even our scientific understanding that we've we've recently got has this idea that life comes out of the waters. And the Bible begins there, begins with water. It begins with God creating everything. And in the Bible, it says, everything was covered with water. And then it says, and this is Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God was hovering over this water. So it's just, so the creation at the beginning of the Bible, it begins with, it's just water. It's almost, that's all it is. Nothing, what's going to happen? Well, it's just water. And then God's Spirit is described, uh, the word sort of means brooding over this water. It's like when a bird is looking after its nest with its eggs. And of course, what happens next? Well, The eggs hatch, new life comes. That's what happens at the beginning of the Bible as well. The spirit hovers and then God speaks and dry land comes out of water. And then animals and trees and ultimately human beings. So so that picture of is this water and then this new life is created by God is where the Bible starts. But it's also how the Bible describes what God goes on to do in our lives. Baptism, this water. A symbol of new life Jesus had a conversation with uh, a guy called Nicodemus on one occasion. Nicodemus was a really quite prominent, high-up religious sort of scholar. You know he, he had a top position in the religious elites of his day. And a lot of his colleagues didn't like Jesus. He didn't fit in with the religious establishment. Jesus was a bit of a rebel to them, That's why eventually, some of them wanted to have him killed. But Nicodemus was a bit different because Nicodemus had seen the sorts of things Jesus was doing, the difference he was making in people's lives, healing ill, sicknesses, opening the eyes of those who couldn't see, speaking to people who no one else would speak to because society said, oh, they're terrible people. And Jesus would go and say, come and have dinner. And Nicodemus had seen this and actually had realized that there was something different about jesus and he said to him the things you're doing you can only do if you're from god and then jesus kind of comes out with this cryptic thing he says you've got to be born anew if you want to see the kingdom of heaven you've got to be he said born of water and the spirit that's what jesus says in john three. you remember the beginning of the bible water the holy spirit and what happens god brings new life jesus says that's got to happen in your life too you've got to be almost born as a new person water and spirit again, God bringing something new where it seemed like there was nothing left. And Jesus speaks to this man about, about this new life God brings. And at first Nicodemus was quite confused. He said, well, I don't understand what you mean. How is that possible? And that's sometimes where we are in our life. We're kind of thinking, okay, I know there's something here, but just don't get it yet. And that's okay. God's with us on that journey. And Jesus spoke to Nicodemus finally, about what he was going to go and do for us, Jesus was going to go and do. He said he was going to be lifted up. And he meant he was going to be lifted up on a cross. He was going to be crucified, killed. But he said, anyone who looks to me, who lifts up their eyes and looks at me on that cross for them, will be saved. So Jesus is ultimately the one who brings new creation. You know, like at the beginning of the Bible, where God created life in the first place, Jesus now brings new creation and new life for us today. On the day of Pentecost, um, in Acts chapter 2, the day that we churches around the world celebrate today, uh, the Apostle Peter stood up. The Holy Spirit had just been poured out, and in a visible way, God made sure they could see it. It was these sort of weird flames coming down from heaven upon them. It was kind of God's way of saying, look, now it's happening. Now the Holy Spirit is in the world in a new way. And Peter stood up, and he talked about Jesus, about how some of the people he was talking to were the ones who got Jesus crucified. Again, you think, gosh, they've they've got no hope. He says, the Jesus you crucified, God has raised him up and made him Lord, the King, and has made him Christ, the Messiah, the one who's going to save the world. And I'm guessing there were people in that crowd when Peter said, the one you crucified is Lord, they were thinking, oh, it's, it's just dead end for me now. I was in the crowd shouting, crucify him, kill Jesus. And now you're telling me that God has raised him up and made him Lord? And do you know what Peter says? I'll tell you, I'll read it for you. So this is Acts uh, chapter two, on the day of Pentecost. Peter then says this. Well, the people, the people, when they heard it said, they were cut to the heart and they says, what, what on earth shall we do? And Peter just said this to them, turn and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. What sins were for them actually having Jesus crucified? So if you think you've got bad sin in your life, yeah, so did they. And, G- and Peter just says, look, just turn to God and your sins are forgiven. And he says, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. God will, God's Spirit will be in your life. No matter what's being, he will be there for that new beginning for you. And the promise is for you. He said, it's for your children and for, for all who are far off. You know, not just people who do church, people who are miles away. We've heard that in a couple of the stories. Hey, people who are atheists, far away from God. The promise is still there for you. And it says, with many words, he spoke to them. Save yourselves," he said, and then it says this: "Those who accepted his message were baptized." That's what we're going to do in a minute. And about on that day, on the day of Pentecost, about three thousand, it says, were added to their number that day. That must have been a long baptism service. <laughs> <laughs> three thousand baptisms. I've just got three, so that's <laughs> that's plenty. That's something to rejoice about. And yeah, so I don't know where you are in your life. You know, I'm not going to clobber you and tell you, oh, you should come to church if you want to come to church please do but wherever you're at in your life wherever you're at in your journey just know that God loves you that God sent Jesus his son into the world to die for you and then rise again and that whenever you feel ready to turn to God his spirit is here and he will help you do that and help you to find God amen right so water water we drink water to Keep alive, that's symbolized in this water. We wash ourselves of water, cleansing, that's symbolized. But the picture I like best is that dying and rising as a new person.